right, man, as the rotor turns, this is, uh, I don't even know, man. I'm going to stop saying what episode it is because <laughs> right. we've recorded a couple that hasn't come out yet. But, you know, the last two that have come out, people love them. Yeah, they've been and, uh, getting some good uh, good piece things. And, you know, it's, it's real organic, the first two that we've done. And I think, you know, this, the first few of these, we're going to just start uh, just introducing people mainly to kind of what we do and the people that work here and everything. And, and honestly, we've just been doing this for fun anyway. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like always, man, we start with our disclaimer and uh, and a little bit of a cheers and a drink here. Salute. Yeah, salute. Well, they're a little what are we Buffalo, Buffalo Trace. Mm. You know, they're, they're, they're not an official sponsor, but, you know, we'll keep mentioning the name because it's delicious. <laughs> and, um, you know, disclaimer that everything is said here is the opinion of um, Carlos Tavares. Not of the rescue company one, or any of Carlos Tavares' employers, or anybody that hires the rescue company one. Um, it's just you know, a way for us to vent mostly. <laughs> uh, but I promise that soon enough here, we got a whole education plan. We're gonna start educating people kind of, and then using it as a as a uh, platform to show the kind of stuff we can deliver and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and uh, if you don't like anything I fucking say. Shut the fucking thing off. Move on to something else. <laughs> you know. So, Ryan, how you been, man? I'm doing well, man. I'm uh, I'm rested. I've uh, been uh, staying busy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. Been rollerblading, putting your kick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been pulling her around the uh, Everly. Been pulling her around the neighborhood yeah. on her little scooter. Just put some 550 cord on the scooter and tie myself off and yank her around, man. <laughs> you, you and some rollerblades and some short shorts, uh, man. Some fruit booting. <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, I'm going to put my... Uh, what'd you call them? Fruit, fruit what? Fruit booting. Fruit booting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You are funky, buddy. I love I love your weirdness, man. I love your weirdness. So, I guess, you know, we got a couple little topics you, you kind of hit me on today that you wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. You know, one is, uh, I guess it's just about me, who I am, and then one's like this um, uh, SAR stuff we got coming up. So, so what you want to talk about today? Both uh, of those things? or Yeah, man, we'll knock them out. This could be, you know, one of two episodes or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. So who is uh, who is Carlos Tavares, I guess? You know? you know, one of the things, it's pretty hard to talk about yourself. Yeah, I know. You sound like an asshole, I think, when you're trying to tell people who you are and yeah, everything. And, um, and, you know, it's a humility thing, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I always, I wanted this thing to be a, the team more than anything. Right. Not the Carlos show or the Ryan show, but I mean, it is your show. You know, I, I know we, <laughs> it is, you know, we, you talked about uh, the first show was basically just kind of more, a lot about you and I. And I, I think we could have like five episodes just about you, and I can't get enough of you. <laughs> they, we you could know? probably say that about everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, who am I? Well, I'm, I'm kind of a mud. I'm Dominican slash white Italian Irish, I guess. And uh, originally born in New York City, Queens. Cool. Yeah, cool. yeah. Um, I guess I was born like Manhattan area, and then, but we lived in Queens. Gotcha. Uh, Corona. And we lived a little bit in Brooklyn, I guess, when I was a baby and moved eventually. The whole family was over in Corona, Queens. For you guys who don't know where Corona is, uh, uh, Flushing area, like uh, where they do the U.S. Open. Like Corona and Flushing, like right, kind of like right next to each other. No idea. Yeah, like, well, the U.S. Open is the big tennis thing that we do every year. Okay. And everybody in New York City is all of a sudden a tennis fan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's happened there for I don't know how many U.S. Opens they've had, but I've been to a few of those. Um, City Fields, where the Mets play. Okay. Um, and uh, it used to be, people always go, how are you a Yankees Jets fan? Well, interesting story about that. I uh, the, my, my granddad worked for the Mets way back as like a field person. Okay. The, the same field, <clears throat> uh, with Shea Stadium. Used to be the Mets and a team called the Titans, which became the New York Jets. Okay. So the Jets used to play in Queens. Gotcha. Uh, but my grandpa originally was from from the Bronx, so he was a Yankee fan. And even though he worked for the Mets, he's still a fucking Yankee fan. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting old man. It'll be a whole show talking about him. <laughs> but uh, the ass I ended up being a Yankee and a, and a Jets fan, which means that 
a lot of times during football season, I've been sad. And in my lifetime, I've never seen them win a Super Bowl. However, everybody else could go fuck themselves because they still love the Jets. <laughs> uh, it's a working man's team and America's team, if you ask me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so go gang green. So, uh, but yeah, so that's Queens, man. And um, I live there. I guess people go, you're a New Yorker? I said, not really because, I mean, I love my New York teams. I love the Rangers. I love the Knicks. Again, another really bad team to be a fan of. You're just sad during basketball season. And – you know, I live I live there, I guess, enough long enough to call myself a New Yorker, but I've been in Florida a whole lot longer than I was in New York. How long have you been here now? Well, I moved here when I was nine. Okay. So I'm 39 now, so 30 years, man, I've lived in Florida, dude. Gotcha. So I'm a Floridian. That's what I right. consider myself. Yeah, I was born in Wisconsin, but I left there when I was like four or five. You know, I went from Texas to Cali, and then I was in Washington State from like seven seven till I graduated high school, you know. So being born in Wisconsin, I still say I'm, I'm from Washington, though. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. And you're more of a hippie than you are a cheese eater, you know. Yeah. Oh, I love me some cheese, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I think you love any food. You're a homeless man. Yeah, I like calories, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, you know, we moved from uh, my, my, my dad, actually. Interesting story. Um, so when I, my dad got shot and he took a bullet through, the, uh, through a wall while he was uh, helping me go to sleep one night. So I think I would have taken the bullet Damn. Um, if my dad wasn't laying there. So my, my dad passed away. My dad had me when he was 60. So I was like eight years old when my dad died. So my dad was 68 years old, man. My mom, 23 when she had me. Oh, man. Yeah, that dude is yeah, kitty, kitty. that dude is a cradle robber, man. But um, but yeah, the old man was good, funny, interesting dude, man. Just you know, worldly guy. And I don't talk much about him here because I don't think I could get through a lot of it without me, you know, bawling yeah. my fucking eyes out. So the old man uh, took a bullet for me. Um, I did not sleep in beds from that point on till uh, where and I got actually started dating my first wife. When I started dating her, that's when I actually started, like, that I actually got a bed. <laughs> I, have, I You know, I used to, you know, I, I lived in my car for a few years. We'll get to that. And, um, you know, I, the fire department, I never slept in a bed. Even so really at home was the only time that I actually slept in a bed after I got engaged and got married and all that stuff. So it's kind of crazy, right? Yeah, it's, <laughs> so, it's and a lot of it is just, you know, we get horrific night terrors. Yeah. You know, my pops. And then, so, you know, my old man dies, and then my mom says, hey, we're going to move to Florida near the beach and Walt Disney. Because, you know, you're from more, you're from uh, New York. You think that Florida is Disney. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and there's a beach at every corner. So we moved to an awesome place in Orlando called Pine Hills. Oh, yeah, the best place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you close to Disney and you close to the beach, but not that close. Yeah. So they call it Crime Hills, you know, whatever you right. want to call it. But what a cool place to move in. You, you got it. Um, there's a show, uh, Fresh Off the Boat or whatever, I think is what it's called. Okay. And it's about this uh, Asian family that moves to Orlando in that time frame. See, so it's the early 90s, you know. You're moving right. to Orlando early 90s. It was a cool time to be here. <laughs> and it was just a lot of changes. You look at it now. Uh, a lot of my f- stuff that I, you know, that, that Pine Hills has shaped you. <laughs> Being there, we, there weren't a lot of Spanish people in Pine Hills back then. Okay. So, uh, but it was a cool, I, I, I enjoyed it. And, uh, again, you know, we always talk about Josh. Josh from Pine Hills as well. So he's like a half white, half Spanish guy too. So we, that's another thing we have in common. I think, you know, um, hopefully we'll be able to get him on one day so we can get, you know, because I know I mention him every day. Uh, but he's he's just yeah we're from the same spot, so uh, I'm more from like the city area of like you know they used to call it all Pine Hills. I'm more of like a Washington Washington Shores type person. So like we uh, uh, Piedmont Ivy Lane area. So if you're from Orlando, you would kind of know. Yeah, I'm not from Orlando. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, 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 there's nothing. There's nothing you would go do there. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, Grew up here, man, played some football. I was okay at football, like decent enough that I got to go to a place called Lake Highland Prep here in Orlando, uh, play some football there. I was mostly homeschooled, 
Um, and because I was homeschooled, and we basically did year year round school. My mom's just year round, man. We would just do school. Um, by the time I got to high school and I actually attended school, I was kind of like a tenth, eleventh grader. Gotcha. So, uh, which basically fast tracked me through high school, and uh, I was sixteen years old when I graduated high school. Gotcha. So I spent kind of like a year. I went to like EMT school. I went to culinary school between that time. Uh, what made you want to go to EMT school? At- um, I was an explorer. Okay. Yeah. So I guess I skipped that part. So my old man was fireman. So moved here, just kind of like, you know, I still had I had that bug. I wanted to be a fireman. I, I don't know if I wanted to be a fireman. I just want to kind of hang out more around the fire station. Gotcha. You know, I was going to go to school and be a nurse. I was going to go, uh, you know, my, my idea was to get a, a scholarship to playing football, to go to college, to be a nurse. I'm going to be a nurse. I was too short. I knew I wasn't going to be no pro football player, and I was just okay. I was I was good enough to get a scholarship, but not good enough to go to, like, a Division One schooler and stuff like that. Uh, I learned that junior year pretty quickly because junior year I go to visit um, – um, I won't even mention the university, but it's in Pittsburgh – <laughs> Dan Marino may attend it there. <laughs> and uh, I got off the plane, and the coach had to basically bought me another ticket and sent me back home. He said, hey, we, we thought you were a little bit taller. No shit. Yeah, so I never made it to the school. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. Uh, you know, I had a few offers, and I ended up going to school in Tallahassee, uh, not not Florida State. <laughs> I went there for about a year and uh, played, you know, just, you know, I was a freshman. I was 17 years old, and. I was like, man, I, I really don't like this. So I came back home and went to uh, paramedic school during the I would go to medic school during the day. Okay. And I went to fire school at night. And all I had, oh, it's a nice one. Mm. All I had at the time was this t- Toyota Cressida. Awesome car. A what? Toyota what? Toyota Cressida. That's what it was, it was actually. <laughs> it was, Google that. Yeah, it was like a 1990 something uh, Toyota. But it was the first car that like had that uh, electronic seatbelt. You would, uh, you, you know, you it would go. You would open up the door and it would go down and yeah. come up. So and then you would just clip your lap belt in. Yeah, yeah, it was a cool car. Um, and it had like the the radio dial was on on the steering wheel. Okay. Yeah, man, it was fancy ass car. So I basically had that car and. Uh, oh shit! I'm looking at it on Google. Toyota yeah. Cressida. Yeah, man, it was the shit. Look like one of these ones. Yeah, man, that's, that's a white one. Yep. <laughs> I think they only ever made one color. <laughs> so. So I ended up, uh, basically, I lived in my car, Ryan. So I would uh, go to school. I was busy all the time anyway, so, like, really having a place to live wasn't. But I would crash people's houses. Um, There's a few chiefs from the fire department. I was still exploring at the time, so I would still go. uh, And I was actually exploring at a couple places, uh, City of Altamont Springs Fire Department. So if you're from the area and you listen to the podcast, you'll, you'll probably realize that that fire department doesn't even exist anymore. It became Seminole County Fire Department. Uh, so I would explore there, uh, City of Oviedo. I would go ride there, and then I would also um, my, my my love and the place I wanted to be was City of Orlando Fire Department. So I was an explorer there, and I would crash people's houses. There were several chiefs from the fire department. A guy named uh, Chief Stilt, um, son works for uh, the city now, and uh, dude's a legend in the hazmat world. Definitely somebody we should have on at some point. Cool. Um, but you know that dude would let me crash. At his place, you know, a couple other people, a lady named Tina Collier, man, I called her mama, and she was the uh, advisor to the Explorer program, and um, she was instrumental, man, in getting me hired. Instrumental, bro. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even be at the place that if it wasn't for her. We'll talk a little bit about her here in a few, and then a guy named Chief Tootin that uh, got rest. Both Tina and him, both got rest their souls. Uh, they. Uh, um, instrumental nick tootin his son works the fire department with me worked i guess i'm retired you know so i don't work there no more but um so yeah so that um so i'm exploring at the time i go to fire school at night (laughs) and then in the summertime i was working the beach patrol so i was always doing something so between clinicals uh going to fire school medic school i was just busy yeah you know, so it's a busy year. And this, you know, again, not to sound like an old man or anything like that. Because, you know, like you talk to your grandpa, they always had like the hardest time of, you know, walking up to school, uphill, right. no shoes in the snow. 
you know, for, for, <laughs> yeah. for 30 miles. But medic school back then was not easy. Like, you had an interview to get in the class. And then once you got in the class, there was no given that you were going to be, you were to complete it. So you would do, it was just miserable, man. It was one of those things that I was like, oh, my God. Uh, I can't believe ACLS is this hard. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that was the big thing. The ACLS was like this culminating thing in class that people just feared. And back then, and if, you know, any people could send us a message through any of our media, like, they lived this thing, they know you, ACLS was a, failed class you came to class they would fail you it was about failing you just you had to know it and then that was like where you actually read the book before class right which when's the last time we we taught a class where a fucking student read the book probably very you know rare bro yeah Yeah, i ain't seen anybody that can quote the and you quoted the book you quoted the algorithms you actually had to know it so then you, you know you did acls man it's just like it was the shit um, you know, one of my favorite uh, Pulp Fiction scenes. You've seen Pulp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is the thing <laughs> that you'll uh, notice is Ryan doesn't ever watch fucking movies. I've been catching up. So, like, you know, I would I've ask. I've been making a list. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask Ryan about uh, a, a certain movie or something, and he'll be like, what? I've never seen that shit before. What? And I'm like, that's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> so um, Pulp Fiction. Man, that Buffalo Trace is good. Hmm. So one of my favorite scenes in there, what you've seen is the Uma Thurma scene where she gets the uh, epi injected yeah, into yeah. the heart. So that was in class. That was in my ACLS class. Oh, no shit. That was in the Wait. ACLS book back then. That was an intervention. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think uh, we were under the 1995 guidelines. So every five years or so, the AHA changes. So, like, we're in the uh, 2020 guidelines now. Um. I was actually doing my, my instructor update today. Okay. Um, so back then, they still had intercardiac epi as one of the first epis you would give during cardiac arrest. Call it intercardiac epi? Intercardiac epi. So you actually are puncturing through the through the uh, like uh, stur- uh, substernal area, sifochondrial okay. junction. I still remember that <laughs> name there. And you were actually delivering the medicine into the heart. Oh, shit. Yeah, and the reason for that is there's no adult I.O., Right. That wasn't like a thing. I, IOs were just for peds back then. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't. Man, I'm telling you, like, uh, adult IO didn't start till, you know, I was a, I was flying. So it was in the 2000s. I remember okay. we, we, uh, a program that I worked for at the time, Bay Flight, we would do, we did a lot of the uh, easy IO studies. So the original, like, adult, you know, we were one of the programs that were testing it out. So. Yeah, there's no adult I.O. back then. So it was an intracardiac epi, or you would try to intubate the patient as quickly as possible and then do the uh, endotracheal tube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, check this out, right? So I still remember this stuff. So you would get there, your patient would go into B-fib, right? So you got a regular patient, your patient would go into B-fib. And the cool thing, the thing that was cool about the – these guidelines, like the ACS stuff, the acute coronary syndrome stuff, and all that stuff, that really was, that was a different class. That wasn't part of your advanced cardiac life support resuscitation stuff. Like, you would talk about that, and but like 12 leads back then, that was like a separate class. Gotcha. That wasn't in medic class. Like It was like not even It was med- not even part of the paramedic program, man. Like, it was, a, I remember it being a separate class we had to take that, uh, so like 12 leads back then. So when I was, a lot of places I would do the clinicals, like uh, Altamont was one of the first few, and uh, Seminole County was one of the first few places to get 12 lead machines. And it was actually the defibrillator 12 lead thing that they used was a Marquette, which was a hospital based. It's still what the hospitals use, that big rolling cart. That yeah, the 12 lead on. screen and. Yep. So like they had like a small, like uh, emergency uh, version of that. But just about every other place did not have those. And the only thing that they used for uh, to do 12 leads was the Marquette. That was, like, the only portable one. Um, there was, like, an adapter for the LifePak 10 that you could plug in, and it was a dial. So you would basically switch the leads so to from, like, 
uh, MCL1, MCL2, and you would kind of do it, and you would switch it, record, print it, mm-hmm. and then switch it again, print it, switch it again, and oh, print wow. it. And that's how you would do, do your 12-week. You would do your 12-week. Okay. <laughs> and that was kind of crazy. But yeah. so, so that was like a whole separate class. Damn. But anyways, you would go in, your patients in VFib. I still remember it. Um, and I think at one of the, uh, the previous recordings that we talked about, we, uh, my mom was in the class with me. So she went to the main code <laughs> before me, came out bawling her eyes out. That's like a 20, 30-year nurse, ER nurse. You know, like she's not her first day at ACLF. Bawling her eyes out, she failed her mega code. So she had to study back <laughs> to come back and do it. And it was this guy named Dr. Brown. So back then you got mega coded by the medical director. So that was the only time you saw the medical director from the school was uh, to come in and do your mega code. So come in. That's still, remember, boom. So patient goes unconscious. You can see on the monitor he's in V-fib. And they're showing you a picture of V-fib because there's, all they got. <laughs> there's no rhythm simulator, right? <laughs> right? So you grab the pads and you say, I'm going to do a quick look, confirm the V-fib. Okay. So, and then he goes, is that my rhythm? Copy. And I'm going to do three stack shocks. I'm clear. You're clear. We're all clear. Stack shock. I'm going to charge the 200 joules. Shock. Um, reassess for change. No change. I'm going to shock again at 300. I'm clear. You're clear. We're all clear. Shock. There's no CPR in between these. <laughs> and then I'm going to shock. Uh, we call them three stack shocks. Let's check again. No change. I'm going to do 360. Shock. Okay. Now I'm going to start CPR. And it was a uh, two-person CPR back then, 15 and two. Okay. So he's adult. So there's adults, no 30 and 2 then. So 15 and 2, um, I would put an EOA on my patient at that, point, at that moment in time. So EOA is esophageal or obtruder device. Even though, like, you Google, <laughs> if you Google that, EOA, you, this is the granddad of the, uh, of the combi tube. So the dual lumen airway combi tube. This is like the granddad of it. <laughs> so it's this big tube that you blindly insert it into an adult and it has a mass to connect it to the, end of, uh, to the end of it. So you basically insert it to the mass rested on the face. And then the doctor would go, hey, man, what are the contraindications for this? What did you say it was called? Esophageal obtruder airway. So it's this big, long tube that you would insert and had a balloon on the end of it. You insert and uh, you inflated it. Once it was in place, and you basically delivered, it was like the first generation superglottic airway. So what you would do is you would put that in right away, okay? And then you would, uh, um, you know, you have a ghost person doing CPR for you because you're in this room by yourself. There's no, this is not a group mega code, by the way, like you're right. used to. This is you by well, yourself. That's not how we did it in paramedic yeah. school. It was, it was one-on-one. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, man, you got a video of that? Because I don't fucking believe this shit. No, I can't find it. <laughs> I'll show you. I'll find the picture of it for you. So, anyways, the uh, so you know, put that EOA in. But the guy goes, "Hey, what are the contraindications for that?" And I would go, "Let me see if I can pull them off my ass right now." It's pretty similar to the combi tube contraindications. So, anybody under five feet, anybody over six feet tall, anybody under fifteen years of age, it's contraindicating peds, esophageal uh, varices. Uh, um, esophageal disease is actually what I would say, like like esophageal varices, uh, ingestion of caustic substances, gag reflex, and uh, being conscious. Those are your contraindications for it. So, and then he would go, how would you know they have uh, um, any of the uh, esophageal diseases? And that, well, the, the pamphlet, and in the book, it talked about this thing called esophageal uh, hepatic uh Hepatic jugular reflex. And then he goes, why would you check for that? So I would press on the right upper quadrant. I would see if the patient will get uh, JVD. And that means they have, you know, portal circulation is poor and they have potential for esophageal varices. You, you would have to say all that shit. Right, right. You know what I mean? And then I'm, I'm going to look for an IV, probably use an antecubital site if possible. Um, if not, I'm going to convert that, um, that EOA into an endotracheal tube. And um, he would go, okay, your first IV attempt is unsuccessful. So, you know, we're bagging, still doing CPR, okay? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to prepare to intubate the patient. I'm going to check the tube. This is an adult male, so I'm going to probably use an 8.0 tube. I'm going to plan to insert it at 24 centimeters. I'm going to check the cuff. Cuff does work. And you would actually have to, as you're doing the verbal diarrhea, just saying all this stuff, you would have to check it. 
cuff works. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and use a, uh, a MAC4 on this patient. I'm going to insert into the vellecula. I'm going to actually visualize the vocal cords. I'm going to keep the EOA in the esophagus so it prevents any for any gastric stuff coming out. Imagine, this is back then. Now we teach all the salad technique and stuff like that. Right. So even, even back then, we still kind of had that whole thing. I'm going to leave that in there and visualize, pass the tube to the cords. I'm going to uh, stop at 24 centimeters. I'm going to inflate it. I am going to uh, auscultate for placement. Bro, you know what we didn't have back then? Entitled CO2. Oh, oh, right. There's no entitled CO2. So now, all of a sudden, you've got to auscultate this appropriately. So the first place you're going to You had the uh, color metric or the... No color metric yet. No? Okay. Yeah, like color metrics like a year later. Okay. So it's kind of like right around the time where CO2 is kind of a thing, but it's not a thing yet. Gotcha. So anyways, you had a, uh, epigastric sounds, uh, negative epigastric, bilateral lung sounds. Um, that's visualization of the visualize going through the cords, condensation up the in the tube, tube. and all that. So that's, that's <laughs> yeah, that's all you had, man. So then you secure it, um, and you secure it with tape. Thomas ET tube holder or commercial endotracheal tube Wasn't device. A thing. <laughs> Not a thing yet. Now again, is we're looking, we're like probably a year or two out from that. Gotcha. Um, well, I didn't mention earlier you would have to measure out an OPA. Put an OPA in before you in, uh, did the did your endotracheal tube. Then, uh, I mean, yeah, so actually, no, I went with the EOA first. So if you didn't go with the EOA, you had to do a uh, OPA. Gotcha. But now I'm going to take the EOA out. I'm going to put an OPA in the patient because you got to have a bike block. Right. You know, so OPA goes in, then you tape your endotracheal tube around the patient's head and do like this cross thing around like chevron stuff around the uh right around the tube and then you secured patient's good now i'm going to give drugs on my endotracheal tube so the doc would ask you what drugs can you give on the endotracheal tube and you would go well okay so the the acronym back then was navel 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 okay yeah so it's a uh, narcan atropine uh valium back then we would give down the endotracheal tube which not not good because oil base. <laughs> we found that out. So um, so for a little bit there, like between our class, we had two acronyms. It was the NABLE, which is a Narcan, Atropine, Valium, Epi, Lidocaine. Okay. And then they switched it to Lean because they said no more Valium, valium. on the end of the endotracheal tube. So it was Lidocaine, Epi, uh, atropine. Uh, 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 lean, yeah, Atropine, Narcan. So, and you had to go, it was going to be two and a half times the dose. Um, and uh, and so you had to make sure you do that, plus a flush bag in between, giving the dose. So um, I gave my first epi down the tube. Nice. Then I got an IV. Then it was time for a rhythm check. So back, we're still in VFIP. So we use shock it, again at 360, continue the CPR. I already gave an epi, so it's time for an antidysrhythmic. So I would go, I'm going to start with lidocaine. So lidocaine, one to one and a half milligrams per kilo, um, max of three milligrams. Again, this is all stuff you had to mention. Max of three milligrams, my, my lidocaine comes 100 milligrams to five mLs, a 20% solution, 20 milligrams per mL. Oh, no, sorry, 2% solution, 20 milligrams per mL. Um, and you got to know how much to give. And then he would ask you, what if you have to repeat the lidocaine? Well, I'm going to repeat it at the half dose, or I'm going to half the dose if the patient, uh, the first dose if the patient has any other following, renal disease, liver, uh, liver problems. Um, and that was, you got to know that. Then uh, if my patient converted, he would stop you. Let's say your patient converts right now with that, then I'm going to hang a lidocaine drip. And that's uh, two to four milligrams per minute. I'm going to put one gram in 250. And that gives it a four milligrams per ml concentration. And I'm going to do the clock method. So if I'm doing uh, one milligram, it's 15 drops per minute. If I'm doing two milligrams, it's 30 drops per minute, so on and so forth. All the way up to 60. I mentioned all that shit, man. Uh, then he would go, okay, like you did two doses of lidocaine, didn't work. I've repeated my epi every three or five minutes, sir. Yep. Continue CPR. Shock the patient again because there's no change, right? CPR continue. And then, uh, and by the way, every time you shocked, you check for a pulse, even if the rhythm had not changed. That was just something you did back then. You check for a pulse, even though you're still looking at VFib. Right. Which right now it looks kind of sounds kind of stupid, but that was shit you did, man. So you did that. Boom. Converted the patient. Uh, uh, you haven't converted the patient yet. Still VFib. 
So now I'm going to give next next antidysrhythmic. We, so we would go through this list of antidysrhythmic. I'm going to give procainamide, 20 to 50 milligrams per minute, mixing a gram and 250. Make sure that I meet any of the four stopping points, reach the max of 70 milligrams per kilo, all right, uh, uh, that this rhythmia stops. The QRS gets wider by more than 50% of what we started off with, or the patient gets hypotensive, which he's already dead anyways, so right. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and then the next drug, uh, the next antidysrhythmic you would give was Bertillium, which that shit doesn't even exist anymore. Whatever rock or mineral they used to make it, they, they can't find it anymore. <laughs> so it used to be 5 milligrams per kilo, and then the second dose was 10 milligrams per kilo. Okay. So, um, so that was kind of like a lot of shit to say. That was just one of the scenarios. You still had to do a bradycardia because you did all the cases. You did a bradycardia. You did a, a tachycardia, narrow and wide. And then you did a, uh, I don't know if it's a Brady, Brady. And then you did a pulseless arrest. You did a PEA. You know, you did the BFIV, VTAC that we just did. Right. So, yeah, you were mega coding all day. Not to mention the written test. All pass or fail. So, like, if you failed, you went back to, if you're in medic school, you were back to the beginning of medic school. You were done. That's crazy. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you passed... Um, if if you're just doing ACLS like at the hospital or whatever, you would go back to the two day class. And there's a lot of shit for two days, man. Like you legitimately would study for a month before you went to ACLS. Can you take a second and think about some shit like that? Taking ACLS that serious. I mean, I think you should. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah, absolutely. You should fucking take it serious. <laughs> Anybody that works here at the company with us, how many times do we go through like just the nitty gritty of ACLS shit? All the time. And, and Ryan, I would tell you what, I was thinking about it today because after me and you talked on the phone, I said, man, I gotta talk about some shit. Like, uh, by the way, you know, Ryan comes up with these ideas of what we're gonna talk about most of the time, and uh, he's like, hey man, let's talk a little bit about yourself. I'm like, man, I'm starting, you know, go. And, and as I got to this thought, I was like. Man, I'm giving these motherfuckers monthly mega codes. You guys are going to get, when we come in for, we're going to start January monthly staff meetings. When you guys come in and do your swimming, you're going to get a fucking mega code. Good. PEDS, AC, uh, ACLS, bad uh, airway, whatever. We're going to start coding you motherfuckers because I don't want uh, degrading all these skills that we do Certainly. in class and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so we're going to start that. Like I came back, like I wrote that shit down. Cool. So. So anyways, man, that was like medic school. Um, halfway through like in medic school, uh, fire school was kind of ending. And this uh, chief from Altamont tells me, hey, man, we're going to pick up the tab for you. Um, you just come work at Altamont. And I'm uh, going through this process with uh, Orlando at the time. And uh, I told the chief, I was like, hey, chief, man, I appreciate it, but... I think I'm gonna try out this Orlando thing. He goes, "Have you gotten hired over there?" I'm like, "No, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty sure that I will get the job." Because how do you know that? I said, "Well, I'm gonna try really hard." <laughs> <laughs> you gotta remember, man. I, I don't have failure in me, bro. Right, right. So, so that guy goes, "This is the worst mistake you ever made." Now, mind you, that department don't even exist anymore. Right. So my cousin, though, man, he wanted to work at Altamont more than anything. So I told Chief, I said, man, listen, jo uh, my cousin Joel, he's actually, he's an awesome dude, man, technical rescue expert. He's actually the special operations chief for Seminole County Fire Department. Cool. Um, and he is just a, the nicest human being you've ever met. Everybody calls him Jelly. You know, you uh, DJ Jelly because he does a lot of DJing on his things. <laughs> cool. So, but uh, that dude is like, if it's hazmat, technical rescue, diving, that's the fucker you want to call. And um, so this dude, he wants to work there bad. So we're in standards together, fire school together. And uh, I'm like, he wants to work there too. And he's like, <laughs> and I just, he actually ends up getting the job, which is pretty, you know, but they put him through the ringer to get the job, dude. Um, but I do work there part-time at Altamont at that time. So I get done. But anyways, I end up getting hired at Orlando. And I got hired at Orlando like um, December of 98. Okay. So I don't turn 18 till January 8th of 99. So we don't start uh, till February. So I get hired um, um, 17, and then like in January at some point, like the 
20th or 16th, I get a call from the human resources people, and they go realize that I wasn't 18. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, and I, I go, well, I am now. So I end up keeping getting the job, man. Cool. So um, pretty crazy story, you know. So I ended up getting hired with Orlando. Um, get hired with a guy named Jeff McGovern. We were explorers together. And then um, I got a class of 20 people, you know, a bunch of peop- uh, uh, people there now, including Jeff, just a lieutenant. There was one guy, which I'm not sure if he's retired yet or not, but a guy named Calvin Middlebrooks. We were the, out of our whole class, we're the only two firemen left. Like the only two guys that never took a promotional test. So I think <laughs> Calvin took one, he just didn't pass. <laughs> um, and for you guys now, like with the city of Orlando, you go from firefighter to engineer, engineer to lieutenant, and then uh, lieutenant to uh, district chief, which is called battalion chief, other places. And then uh, there's division chief. So those are like each shift has a division chief. Each um, section of the city of Orlando fire department has a division. So like uh, division chief, so there's a chief for EMS, communications, training, so on and so forth. Then there's deputy chiefs. There are things, there's like three or four of those guys. They all kind of got different jobs. And then there's the, um, the, uh, the, the fire chief itself. So that's kind of the rank structure there. Uh, so I was a fireman. Like beginning guy, <laughs> so it's funny, man. Like uh, uh, last year, uh, so I've been retired a year now. It's just crazy, right? Like time fucking flies. Yeah. Um, and, and so last, right before I retired, like there's dudes promoted. They were like, I precepted them as brand new firemen and stuff. You know, it's crazy. And then the the event we did the other day at a uh, at a FRTG. Gotcha. Yep. We uh, the guy that landed us. That guy was like um, he was 20, 20 years old when he gets hired. So so at eighteen it was me and some guy hired in the sixties. There was like the youngest guys ever hired, and then after that everybody was like in their twenties, like the next few younger guys. So um, Danny was like twenty years old when he gets hired right with us, and uh, so I remember precepting him. Um, when he's going through, you know, his original. Medicine. This is the pilot that landed. No, no, he's the uh, he's the lieutenant on the engine. Oh, that was okay. Doing the the fire, you know, fire, you know, the landing zone for us. Oh, gotcha, yeah, gotcha, yeah, yeah. gotcha. So, uh, so that dude's a lieutenant now with like three kids. I remember him coming to the house. His twenty first birthday, we got him fucked up. Me and this guy <laughs> named Chris Salter. We showed up to his house at like eight o'clock in the morning with beers and <laughs> got him trashed. <laughs> nice. Now he's a good family man. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with it. But anyways, man, yeah, so I get hired with Orlando. That, that, you know, almost lost the job before I even got started because of my age. Get hired there, man, and, I, dude, I'm going to tell you, man, like I know I've said this before, I love that fucking job. That job is – it's just like being able to go do what you did to go to school. Like you couldn't kick my ass in up there. It right. was such a fucking cool place. Um, I went there with the intent to be a firefighter paramedic, and that's what I did, man. I was a firefighter paramedic, um, and, man, I enjoyed the shit out of that. Um, I did knew, I knew, always knew I wanted to fly, and, you know, a few years in, I started doing all my flight classes and stuff that uh, back then you just need to go through the flight class, and um, um, you had to go to an audit, like uh, advanced trauma life support class, and, and I went and did all the stuff that I needed to do to go to to flight class and uh, to get to get a flight job and then start applying. And how I knew I wanted to fly is that one day as an explorer, we're on this call, nasty car wreck, girl entrapped, and I won't even mention where it was because actually I did a Dateline episode on this, so I got hooked on Dateline. From that, I got hooked on flying and Dateline. So uh, it's a big, it was a big deal. And they land air care. And now, mind you, I saw when they pulled this girl out of the car, put her in the back of the rescue truck. They're waiting for air care to get there. And I watched five paramedics try to tube this patient. And they're getting ready to do a crike on her, surgical airway. And um, the guy gets off the helicopter. And back then, um, air care lands, which is where we're now. They land. They, they, don't, they don't wear helmets or anything. They just have headsets. And, um, you know, this is before helmets were, like, a thing, you know. So they land. This guy gets out. He's the flight paramedic. This guy named Ted Chisel. And uh, mind you, I'm, you know, I'm an explorer then. I haven't gone to medical school yet. When I'm in medical school, that's my clinical instructor. 
the guy that I think is the greatest thing. And so this guy's a ball-headed dude, but is the hairiest man you've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the coolest dude. The dude's a legend, bro. He's a lieutenant for Seminole County at the time. Ends up being a chief. He's actually the second-in-charge chief of uh, – uh, fire department, like uh, in Volusia County, which uh, pretty aggressive uh, department over there. Um, I'm trying to think of what, the, what is uh, it's a cause war. We're kind of where Andy lives. Okay. And, uh, the flag? Or? Yeah, no, no. He lives like uh, New Smyrna. New Smyrna right. Fire there Department. You go. So, um, anyways, this dude's a legend, bro. He's a, and I'll bring it full circle back on him here in a second. So, I see him get on his red flight suit, bro. Glorious chest hair just sticking out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. This dude's everything because I don't have a single hair on my body. Just naturally, you know, we don't grow hair for some reason. And uh, but I'm like, this dude gets out, and he's like, hey, young man, this is a pretty bad wreck. That's, I remember him talking to me like that. And he's bagging the patient up, then sticks the little scope. I don't even see him look in the mouth and just drops that into the tracheal tube. First attempt. Yeah, just like a champ, dude. Just like the crazy. Just fell right in. Yeah. He goes, you keep at it, young man. <laughs> That's what he says. And I'm like, dude, I want to be this guy. Right. So, you know, years later, uh, you know, I'm going to throw my classes, man. And I interviewed, uh, I put in for air care. I never, um, every time I put in for air care, I would never make it to the uh, to the interviews. Never make it. And I did everything you can do. As far as, like, Orlando Health's concerned, I've probably had every job you could have there, from, like, housekeeping to being, a, you know, a, a, a tech to being a nurse there, everything. At that moment, you know, when I'm applying there, that time, I, I you know, I would leave the fire department. i go work an ambulance job to get experience. So I worked the Health Central Ambulance, and I also worked uh, for the transport uh, that was Orlando Health at the time, which was, uh, which was ORMC, Orlando Regional. Um, they had something called mobile care. So it was like the ground service for the hospital. And I would go there and do inner facilities. And, you know, I was doing everything I could to work there. I wanted that red suit bad, dude. Um, but, man, never even made it. Never made it to an interview there. Never. So, you know, I started applying different places. So I actually applied for a place in Volusia County called Air One and make it to, like, the last couple people there. They're going to get the offer to the job. And um, what ends up happening is that it, they wanted somebody that was going to work there full-time and not work a fire department job. So I couldn't, you know, yeah. leave leave there. Um, and uh, uh, my ex-wife at the time was pregnant. So um, my son's about to be born. And, like, um, so I couldn't leave the job. Right. So I ended up applying for a place called Bay Flight. And that place, man, their interview process back then was one of the coolest. To, still to this day, I haven't seen some some shit like this. They actually, they go, hey, can you make it this day too for an interview? And you go, yeah, absolutely. And um, they, uh, everybody that's interviewing, I think there's like 40 people interviewing for the one job, all are scheduled to show up at the same time. All scheduled to show up at the same time. And I don't want to bust their stuff. I don't know if they still do stuff the same way. But they did some cool shit in there. Then you end up not not everybody ends up interviewing. <laughs> I think they you told this. me the story before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and uh, anyways, I make it. You know, if you want to know how they do it, you're gonna have to apply the next time. Bayfly has a job open, and it's uh, it's Air Life now. It's changed. Big long story about that, but we're not gonna get into. And then uh, so, anyways, then I get to the interview, end up getting hired. Uh, and Matt Turner, guy that gave me yeah. my first water egress job. If you listen to episode one. Um, he's up being like the guy I work with all the time. And, um, man, dude, what a fucking cool ass job. So I get there 2002 ish, 99. Uh, basically, I had a crash. So a lot of stuff had changed with the program at that point in time. And, uh, you know, a lot of different safety stuff, you know, but back then, man, you're just busy. You're just flying. You're, you're, there's not a lot of the safety stuff that we do now, you know, so weather minimums were different back then. Uh, pilot would usually tell you shut the fuck up. It's just hail. Yeah, just <laughs> shut the fuck up. We're flying. Um, and dude, cool fucking job. Cool experience. A lot of intubating. A lot of working the radios. A lot of shit, man. Just exp you know, you're just busy. Um, and uh, man, enjoy the fuck out of that job, dude. Um, one of the hardest things I ever did was I would leave that job to go someplace else to get experience. You know, because yeah. in the back of my head, this whole time, all I want to do is work at AirCare. You know, if if uh, I take you back to the fire department for a second, 
fire department, you know, I was doing everything I could there to do all the classes that I needed to get because back then the rescue one, the rescue downtown was, you know, we didn't transport. It was this big, like heavy rescue type thing is you and an engineer. So the people assigned to that rescue truck did all the special teams. You were a diver, you were a high angle person, trench rescue, uh, tech rescue guy, hazmat guy, hazmatic. You did all the stuff. So, man, I, was, I did all those classes, trying to get downtown, finally get the opportunity to get downtown, and then I was moving on to the next challenge. Yeah. So I was uh, started doing my nursing classes, started doing all the stuff, and then um, get hired flying, switched shifts, went back to Rescue 7, uh, which, you know, that was a big hit. But I ended up, uh, before that, like 9-11 happens. 9-11 changed everything. In the, in the city of Orlando. Like, we started doing more preparing for, you know, the terrorist event, you know? Yeah. So we started doing more of the heavy rescue stuff, more of the firefighting, uh, you know. Um, so we ended up getting something called a heavy rescue at that point in time. So I got an opportunity to be one of the first few crews on that thing. And then uh, I get flying, go back to kind of switch shifts, and I end up going to uh, back to my old original truck, Rescue 7. So I ended up going to Rescue 7 for uh, back, which I loved it, and started running, being busy. I'm actually at that point in time, uh, one of the guys that I flew with, um, he was the engineer on there, a guy named Brian Davis. Um, he was actually the chief that night of Pulse, it was a commander. He was uh, one of the guys running the thing. Uh, real smart dude. And um, and we can get into some stories about Brian Davis. I call him Puddin'. <laughs> <laughs> so me and him are on the rescue truck together, and we're both flying. So it's a great period of time in my life, man. Like, I'm just learning a lot, going through, you know, nur nursing school. Get done around that time with nursing school. So now I got to get experience to uh, try to be the nurse. Now, this is the thing, uh, Ryan. Back then, all the flight programs, if you were the medic and you became a nurse, you lost your flight paramedic job. Okay. They didn't let you stay. They had this thing where you had to, like, work at your highest license or whatever bullshit that, that thing was. But me and this other guy named Dustin Pierce, which is the this is the this is another cool dude. He's a chief with Orange County Fire Department. Dustin at the time, me and him are both working at uh, at uh, Bay Flight. What's cool about me and Dustin is that we kind of knew about each other before we even worked there because we're both the two youngest paramedics ever in the state. Okay. So we're both eighteen when we become paramedics. So um, Dustin, uh, his dad was a chief at Leesburg. Pretty uh, rooted guy in the in the uh, in the area. Real smart. He's actually ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. I tasted that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dustin is actually uh, he's a uh, um, he's a nurse now, nurse manager. He's just an all around dude. Oh, man, you gassy, bro. <laughs> so, um, anyways, like we end up being able to stay as medics, but we had to go get nursing experience. So we're both working fire department. I think Dustin was working in the ICU at Orlando Reason. I was working at the VA Open Heart ICU, trying to get all the experience we could. Um, and then um, the a, a uh, flight job, flight nurse job opens up, and they figure that we're going to transition to it. Um, obviously, at that time, man, um, I'm going through a hard time. Kind of like starting to have problems in marriage back then. Um, son's getting a little older. He's getting a bit busier, and I'm kind of not able to spend a lot of time with him. Um, and because I'm working all these freaking jobs, a lot of stress. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to downsize, you know, how much I'm working. And, uh, and then one bad thing happens at Bay Flight. But the girl I was work that I would work with at all the time, she ends up dying in a car accident coming to work. Mm. And long story about that whole thing. But, uh, I end up testing at a, play, uh, at a place over in Melbourne, first flight, and end up getting the job as a flight nurse. So now I've gone to where kind of, you know, I'm flying as a nurse, so, so I end up having to leave Bay Flight, which, again, one of the hardest things I've ever done. Uh, but I went from Bay Flight to a re another busy aircraft and a helicopter, and a lot of team flights, a lot of experience. But, again, in the back of my head, I still want that red suit, man. I still want to fly for air care. Um, I end up trying to go get more ICU experience. So I'm going to go because at, at first flight back then, we did do some ICU transports, but we did a lot more like scene work. Gotcha. 
So I'm trying to build up that resume. So I figure at that time I'm going to go work at Chance. Even though it's a little bit of a drive, I'm going to go work at Chance uh, for Chance Care. And I end up making through the process and getting hired. And the day um, before, so I get hired at Chance one day. The next day is like a day uh, where Air Care is having interviews. And I may actually, after 15 years, I make it to an interview. Then you know, <laughs> 15 years, yeah. man, it takes me to get there. So I interview there. And um, the next day they call me, offer me the job, and then end up going to Shans, you know. Right. So, you know, kind of like bring you back to where I'm at there, you know. And I, I flew there. Uh, I've been still flying there, you know. It's freaking uh, – every day I go there, man, it's like I can't believe that I'm here. Yeah. Right. So just so our, our listeners are, are tracking, so you're retired from the fire department. Oh, no, I'm still working fire department when I go to Air So Care. you're retired from Orlando, right? Or how's that? No, 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 no. Well, so at this point in time, when I'm at Air Care, I'm still working Orlando Fire Department. So I just was saying, though, man, getting to Air Care, dude, the day I got those red flight suits, and it's the most hideous red color you can ever think about. Those are the same uh, suits you still have. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, dude, I'm tell you though, man, I've never been prouder to be at a job, cause I freaking like this is a dream come true. And you know, man, if you do what you love every day, it's not light work. Right. You know, we always find things to bitch about. That's us. That's just what we do. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you know, my dad used to say, you know, my dad's a fireman, but he would say if it wasn't for the fire service, it'd be a lot more homeless people. you know so so man let me tell you bro i love working there man i just love it just still to this day bro and you know and and i'll bitch about some shit from every time to time but you know hey that's what it is so um but so yeah that that, so i get to air care i'm still now i'm still orlando fire department working air care kind of down a couple jobs go through a divorce long story um one of the reasons i don't leave the fire department that time is because I freaking love playing football. So the only way you can play football, we have a football team, is uh, is it called the Orlando Guardians. It's a public safety league. And uh, back then, if you weren't uh, working EMS or law enforcement or fire department, you could not play for the team. So I ended up working part-time at Air Care and working full-time at the fire department for years. But I still worked a full-time schedule at Air Care. I was just classified as part-time. So I could still play football, which I still do to this day, believe it or not, as an old dude. And it really fucking hurts now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll have a thing about the Guardians here. So semi-pro football teams, full tackle and everything. We travel in the U.S. There's 20 teams in the U.S. and, you know, we play. Anyways, um, and then I start, you know, fast forward, you know, pulse thing happens, which I really, you know, one day we'll dedicate an episode to talk about that. Yeah. You know, but it's not something that. I wanted to find the podcast by or anything like that. But um, me and Josh, we did a lot of EMS competitions, you know, something else that we'll one day dedicate talking about, you know, the history of me and him and how we get to be best friends and all that stuff and the pulse and all that good stuff. Um, and then uh, um, um, one of the things I didn't mention, as a, as a flight paramedic and stuff, I would travel the country teaching critical care, uh, transport review classes, go to Baltimore, do some lectures at UMBC. That was like the critical care program around at the time. Still around, great program. And, um, you know, I'm one of the first few groups of people that get the FPCs, you know. Like one of the big things when you're an FPC is like, what's your FPC number, you know, back then. Right. So I'm like, I'm like 380. So I, I think I was in the, uh, that's my number still, you know. So, um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of stolen valor when it comes to the FPC. It, it, a lot of people go, yeah, I took the test, so I used to have it. One of the things about the FPC is that if you were certified, it's on record. It's still you can still pull your name up, and like it'll say expired on next to your shit. But if you've it'll ever be been there, yeah, you've been. And there's a thing, anybody that's ever taken that exam, and and it's a thing of, um, it's a standard for our industry now, and it's like it's not an easy thing to achieve. So. Um, and, you know, with our guys that just recently passed and did all that stuff, that's, the, that, you know, so it's a fucking thing of you, you earned it yeah. when you get it. So so I would travel the country doing review classes with this guy named Rick Patterson, which is awesome, gave me an opportunity, a brother of ours as well. 
Um, and um, so I was doing that and traveling, teaching, working in the fire department. And then uh, a few, about three years ago, like we talked about in the first episode, I just got tired of making money for other people. And this one yeah. started the rescue company one. Um, and uh, here we are, man. I retired last year in October from the Orlando Fire Department. Um, now, go ahead. Go That's ahead. what I wanted. So just so our listeners are clear. So yeah. you, you retired from Orlando Fire. Yep. But you're still flying now. Yeah, I still fly full time. Okay. Just want to yeah. make sure our listeners understand yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I still fly full time as a flight nurse paramedic. Uh, for and, and then, uh, bro, I miss. I was gonna miss being a fireman, so I still get the opportunity to go to the city uh, city bias called City of Lake Mary Fire Department. I still get the opportunity to go there, work shifts, you know, part time firefighter. Cool, cool. Guess guess who? I told you I was gonna bring this back full circle. Guess who the other part timer was? He retired from the fire department as a chief, goes to be a part timer for Lake Mary, and then he ends up getting another chief job somewhere else. Ted Chisel. Okay. That's what I take over for, man. My hero, bro. I get that. <laughs> oh, he's the guy who flew in. Yes, and that was guy. Like, Keep yeah. It up. yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> First attempt. So that's whose job I get as a part-time guy at, at Lake Mary. You that's know? cool. And that's such a cool place, man. Because it's a young department. Um, they they are just man. They love training and they love you know EMS aggressive medical director guy named Todd Husty. Um, interesting dude, you know, um, and. Man, it's such a cool place. I, li- I love going there. But the cool thing is that I get paid by the city of Orlando for the rest of my life, and I don't have to, I have to show up at work. Right. It, it, and <laughs> it, it, so there's a lot of benefits if you're an older person on the fire service. Like if you get in, you know, like people, most people at, or- at Orlando worked someplace else before they came there. Um, and it's, you know, high, high, pretty high paying in the area. Yeah, job. you joined at like 12. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but if you're a young person, a lot of those other benefits that people work 30 years, 25 years for, there's just no reason for you to stay. You're not yeah. old enough to get them. So, you know, to, to, at 20 years, you can retire and you're like, you know, 70% of your pay. It's, it's pretty badass, man. It's just, and then you get raises every, like, so many years. You get a 5% raise. It's, cool. <laughs> How can you beat that, man? <laughs> so I left, gone, and uh, but I I still love the job, so I just still go fly and and I work the fire department, and you know we do this, but we're teaching, and um, it's pretty cool, man. I, I like still, I think it still gives me that I'm relevant when I'm in front of a classroom teaching and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that's the nitty and short uh, version of who the fuck I am, and like. There's a lot more to it. I just don't want to talk more about myself, man. Yeah, it'll be boring. a short series yeah. or a long series. Yeah, so it'll be a series. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of like who I am, you know. And um, you know, so I went to nursing school in uh, in uh, like all uh, college up in Albany. So, okay. You know, so and I guess that's about it, man. I don't know. I don't know what else you want to know. That was good. I'm man. a Capricorn. <laughs> you know, I was born January 8th. You know who, was, who else was born January 8th? <sighs> no. Elvis. Elvis Presley. Okay. Stephen Hawking. Okay. Yeah, some cool people. King Jong-il. We don't want to talk about uh, <laughs> uh, R. Kelly. We don't recognize him either. <laughs> you ever looked up who's famous on your birthday? Uh, I know. I share. only person I'm certain of I share a birthday with is Eminem. Oh, no shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but no, I don't know who else. Yeah, man. So yeah, January eighth, man. Elvis Presley, man. It's the like Day yeah. of Kings, bro. October seventeenth for me. Day of I'm Kings. I'm a Libra. Yeah. If anybody's wondering. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, man, that's about it. You know, I got a son. He's uh, just just enlisted in the United States Army. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty proud of that kid, man. We call him the douche, <laughs> short for douchebag. <laughs> because he's got this funny douchebag laugh, and you can't kill him. I've tried. <laughs> I've tried to kill him. You can't kill him, but he's just a fucking cool-ass kid, man. It's a good football player, good athlete. Had the opportunity to go to school to do it, but you didn't want to, man. I'm like, man, dude, you could go to college. People want to give you free – yeah, I don't want to, Dad. I don't play no football no more. That's exactly how he sounds. <laughs> and uh but yeah he's uh up in buffalo new york he moved to buffalo to live with some uh with uncle up there he's been working and my guess all of a sudden he calls me like a couple of weeks ago he's like hey, dad i'm gonna join the army and i'm like 
okay. <laughs> well, good luck. I'm very proud of you. Like, what can you say other than that? That's about it. He's already made his choice, you know? Yeah, no, man. That's I, good. I, that's awesome. Yeah, man, that's – dude, I go, are you getting, like, extra money? He didn't even say anything about that. No, he's just, dad, just thought I'd be cool with that. I go do that and, you know, get some experience doing some stuff. I'm like, well, that's awesome. Like, yeah. that's cool, man, you know. What a cool kid. Uh, as a dad, you can't be any more proud, you know. He's not in prison. <laughs> doesn't have the clap. <laughs> so, all right, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so that's the best thing there. Cool, cool. Uh, well, um, so that's a short nitty-gritty about me, Ryan. Cool, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, they'll uh, just like the rest of us, you know, we'll all just throw out bits and pieces of ourselves throughout the yeah. You know, course of time. Yeah, we're, you know, I'm pretty, I'm a, I'm a onion, man. There's a lot of layers to me. Yeah. So it's going to take a while. You can't do this in an hour. So what do you want to do? You want to close it up? Yeah, so um, thanks again for listening, everybody, this is just as the road returns. And then you can uh, get us on all the platforms. Yep, you know, we're on the Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, Spotify. Sp- oh, yeah, as far as the, the podcast, the yeah. Podcast, you know, yeah, Spotify. Apple. Um, uh, Apple, you know, iTunes, yep. um, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, Stitcher, like all the big yeah. ones were yeah, on them. you know, if you can give yeah. us. And all the little ones, like, that people don't even know about. Like, yep. if that's what you use, look for us. You'll probably find us. You know, if you could give us five stars and all that stuff, that, yeah. you know, much appreciate it. Because uh, I guess that's how they do the whole algorithm and everything. Yep, yep, yep. And, e- and even on YouTube, man, if you guys can like some of the videos and stuff like that. Like, shares, shares, comments, anything. All that stuff helps like, out. We appreciate all that, you guys. Absolutely. So, as the road returns, see you on the next one. All right.